Don't look at the ask as where you're headed. The ask is the vehicle. It's really them signaling that they like something about you and they'd like to put you in front of their seller and sell your story to their seller. Are you ready to change your life? Welcome to the Multifamily Investor Ladies Podcast, sponsored by Freedom Capital Investments. Your host, Linda Brooks, is a dynamic multifamily investor syndicator with a portfolio valued at over 20 million and growing. Join her on her journey as she shows you it's never too late to get started in multifamily real estate investing. And she'll show you how to do it successfully as a passive investor. And now, here is your host, Linda Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Multifamily Investor Ladies Podcast. I'm Linda Brooks, your host, and I'm so glad you've tuned in today. I also want to thank and commend you for making the all-important decision to learn more about how to become an educated passive investor in the commercial real estate market. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again today. We have an incredible investor with us. I love it when I have high-speed, kick-ass, female multifamily syndicators as guests on the show. And our guest today is in that category for sure. And so I want to introduce you all to Jennifer Joyce. She is the founder and leader of JJ Capital Investments. She's an experienced real estate investor and professional specializing in Texas. She does fund management and asset management work, which has expanded over a period of 20 years across a diverse amount of real estate investment related activities, starting with single family homes. She's now a syndicator and she is kicking butt and taking names in Texas. She focuses on relationship building, team building, adding value to not just the properties, the tenants, but her business partners. I am so excited to have the opportunity to have Jennifer Joyce join us today to talk about her journey as a female syndicator in a male-dominated space and all that she does to help others in her community and her investment partners. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. So full disclosure, listeners, I went to a conference in Dallas in October and I had the absolute pleasure of meeting Jennifer and she was kind enough to take a group of ladies on a tour of her property. Which property was that? Cedar Square in Dallas. Cedar Square. She took us on a tour of the property and showed us what the business plan was, how things were going. And it was just an incredible experience that she won as a busy, successful syndicator, took time to spend time with us while we were in town. And Jen, to just share her experiences and meet some others on her team. It was incredible. So thank you again for that, Jennifer. Anytime. Pleasure. Absolutely. And then just start off with telling us, I know you started in single family homes. How did you end up in multifamily syndications? So I'm actually second generation. So I spent my summers as a kid cleaning gutters, stoves, toilets, you name it. I've seen it all. Fine. So I became a young adult, pretty much fearless about real estate because I'd seen it all. And it's all like exacerbated as a kid. Everything's 10 times worse than it really is. So came into single family first. It made sense. It's what my mother did. And so I naturally just followed in her footsteps. But what I quickly realized while I was putting myself through college and entering the corporate world 
is it just didn't move fast enough to replace my income. When you're 18 years old, it's okay if it takes till you're 48 years old to pay off a 30-year mortgage. But the longer you're working for corporate America, the faster you want retirement to show up. So I figured out that pretty much all of my rental property profits were going to either new flooring or a new HVAC when the tenant moved out. And so I was very much an owner-operator starting out. And so we started buying multiple doors at the same time instead of just single family doors uh, around 2007. And so kind of the same problem. Started with the smaller multifamily stuff using all my own money. We had to wait for either a bonus check or my husband's seasonal business to come in for us to go buy another piece of real estate or sell a piece of real estate. So it just wasn't fast enough again. It just wasn't building that mailbox money we were looking for. In 2017, we stumbled onto syndication. And so at that point, we were about 15 years in and we were going, oh my goodness, where has this been? I thought this was only for hedge funds. And quickly read up on the laws around it and how it came about and that we really had only missed the memo by a couple of years, I think three years. So we weren't far off on when it became available to the common person, but we were really excited to stumble onto it because it was a game changer for us. Being able to leverage something similar to crowdfunding to buy bigger buildings was something that we didn't know was formalized outside of family in need. And so to stumble onto that tool to put in our tool bag just changed everything. So we had 15 years of experience owner operating, growing businesses, doing leases, doing evictions, doing repairs. What we really needed is scalability. And syndication was that vehicle to get us there. Nice. And so since then, how many units have you been able to successfully acquire and using the syndication model? So we have used syndication now in 12 addresses. We close on our 13th property this month and our 14th property next month for over 2,000 doors as an active GP team. So Really, we used last year where everybody was just, I think, trying to take in the news feed and figure out what up and down was anymore. We saw it as our opportunity because we had already seen 9-11 and we have seen the 2008 financial crisis. This is something that we saw as an economic correction and felt like this was our chance to catch on to the upswing that's going about to happen and grab more real estate than we've ever had before for a very small window of time before it's gone again and we got to wait another decade. And so when we saw the world stopping in its tracks, my husband and I looked at each other and said, are you ready to run? I thought we were sprinting, but now we're going to run as fast as we can. And so that's what we did. Really, it was the pandemic that sent everything into hyperspeed and made us realize that we needed to be owning as many doors as absolutely possible the right way. We had already learned in the first 15 years how to buy, how to buy correctly, that all your money is really made on the entrance, not the exit. The exit is just the feedback or the success story, but it's how you get into these properties where you make all your money. And so we've been spending the last two years finding those needles in the haystack and buying those properties that are just so valuable and have so much opportunity in them that we can quickly race through this rubber band effect or this economic correction that's coming 
and take it full advantage of what's right in front of us for a very short window of time before it all goes back to normal. And then you just have to run properties and do cash flow and go back to the five to seven year business plans. <laughs> right now, we're very much trying to acquire property and see if there's an opportunity to do cash out refis or quick sales in 18 to 24 months instead of the normal three to five year hold like we projected way back when. Well, first off, congratulations on all of your success. That is incredible. And I'm so happy for you and your team. You said a lot in the last statement. So let's break that down just a little bit. This market is crazy right now. And you're focused on acquisition and finding those hidden gems. How are you finding them? I mean, you don't have to give away this secret recipe to your secret sauce, but how are you finding them? Because I talked to a lot of folks and a lot of people are having challenges finding deals right now. So I hear that a lot too. And the first thing I would say is get out of your own way. Mm -hmm. Because the reason you can't find something is because you've put a self-limiting belief that you can't find something. Mm -hmm. So if you remove that and just say, there's so many deals, there's so many deals, I just find so many deals. The next step is actually to take action. If you're not putting LOIs on things, you're not learning. You're stuck in the step before that. So I would encourage you to find a way to get the courage to start putting more offers out. That's really what it boils down to is how much action are you taking? And if you don't feel comfortable at a high price with all the competitors saying, I'm doing this and I'm paying that and I'm put, I'm trying to sweeten the pot for the seller, do it makes you comfortable and then grow 5%, then grow five more percent. And eventually you're going to find a way to an offer accepted or at least a best and final if you've never pinned in a best and final. So it's really about going through those motions. And it's I call it the rabbit hole process where you're down in a tunnel, you're in the dark, you have no idea how long you'll be down there, where it's taking you or what's up ahead, but you have to trust the process. And it's very different from the residential side. The commercial side is very much cart before the horse. And you have to kind of just trust that it's going to work out before you know all the answers because mechanics is only 20%. It's not 80%, it's 20%. So if you're spending all your time having to know all the things before you make another action plan and execute on it, that's what's really going to hold you up, that self-limiting belief of, I can't find any deals. So the only difference between me and the audience who feels that way is I just put way more offers out. That's it. I'm not buying anything off market. I don't have a friend who knows a guy. I'm buying most of my stuff through a broker on market and I get the emails like everybody else. So I just put way more offers out. Nice. Okay. I've had also folks tell me that brokers want you to put in offers just so that they have offers to present to their clients, even if the numbers don't work, right? I've had brokers ask me to put in offers for properties and I know that the numbers don't work but they just wanted something to give to their client. Have you experienced that? And how have you managed that? Absolutely. What they're not saying is they're also trying to get to know you and build a relationship. So commercial real estate is very much relationship driven. So they want to get to know you better. They want to see your risk tolerance. They want to try to understand the properties you like to buy, the ones you don't like to buy. And they're only going to be able to learn more about you the more you're in front of them. Mm -hmm. So if you always stop before an offer is made, they can't build a relationship with you other than what's the whisper price, why is the seller selling and who currently manages it today. (laughs) So it's very limiting to build a relationship on those questions. 
And what they're looking for is depth, deep relationships with you. It's not necessarily, hey, help me out for my seller. Hey, help me out when I ask so that I can see you're a giving person so that I know that you're somebody I want to work with in the future who does the give and take process and wants to try to help me out when I need help. And I'm going to help you out when you need help. And we're starting to build a long-term lasting relationship that could go 20 years. So don't look at the ask as where you're headed. The ask is the vehicle. It's really them signaling that they like something about you and they'd like to put you in front of their seller and sell your story to their seller. Mm -hmm. And maybe that seller will be so convinced and they're so frustrated with whatever's wrong with their property that they want somebody to take it off their hands, even for a million off. Who knows? So build the relationships with a broker. It's very much slower than single family and small multifamily space where I have relationships that are just now blossoming after five years, but I'm not in it for the first meeting or the first dinner or the first offer. I know at some point down the road, it'll come full cycle or my pay it forwards will come back through another person or somebody mentions me to somebody else and they reached out at the moment where I needed to hear from that type of person. So just plant those seeds. The harvest will come later. Just keep planting. I couldn't agree with you more. I completely agree. That's been my experience as well. And I was talking to someone yesterday and they asked me a question about a relationship that I have. And they said, well, how long have you been cultivating that relationship and how did you meet them? And I had to stop and think about how I met them and where we are now. And two years later, we're working on things together. And at the time that I was going through the process, it wasn't an intentional thought that I was cultivating a relationship for a purpose. It was, I like this person and they do X, Y, and Z that I'm interested in. I do X, Y, and Z that they're interested in. So, hey, we just continued to stay in touch. And now we're able to collaborate on bigger deals and opportunities. And it wasn't until someone brought it to my attention, you've been cultivating that relationship. I said, oh, yeah, I guess I have been. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, because like even you said that you came out to Cedar Square. I had probably been talking to a friend of yours for the last six months or longer. Mm-hmm. And it just so worked out that her schedule and my schedule were going to meet on that day. And then she asked, can I bring more people? And now you and I know each other. So it's very interesting to see the strings all map together. The point A does not equal the point B. It's all very much like more like a spider web. And so you never know who you're going to meet, what kind of value they're going to bring. And so you just constantly be yourself out in the world and it'll naturally attract the people that you need around you for business. You are so right. One of the affirmations I say to myself is, I am so happy and so grateful now that the people and the perfect opportunities come to me at the perfect time. So yes, I say that every day and it's happening. And so I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much for that. What's next for you in acquisition mode now? You've got over 2000 doors under management. What's next for JJ Capital Investments? So we actually have a three-year plan. Last year was deal flow. This year was people and next year is systems. So we are building that out right now. I think people is going to take actually two years, but that's okay because I'm growing exponentially with the number of people that are coming into our company and we're doing systems at the same time. We've already started, but I've noticed in even the large multifamily space, it's very much mom and pop. 
even if you take and buy something from a mom and pop and you operate it and run it and sell it and fix it and all those things, it's still very mom and pop. If you look at the model, somebody's going to say the same thing when you sell it because it's never been institutionalized or there's no corporation built around it. It's very much still that small business owner model. And so for us, something that we've always wanted to do is marry our corporate background with our real estate background and merge them together and grow a company. So for us, it's more about challenging myself to, can I, right? Of course I can. It's just a Mm -hmm. matter of going out and doing it. So what's big and scary to me is, can I grow a company? Not, can I buy a piece of real estate? Because I've been doing that two decades now. So, and if you want to count my childhood, I've been doing it my whole life. What I haven't done is grown a company that's a success story. So for me, that's the next level of growth and seeing if I can do that. And the feedback will be, is the company a success? So that's where we're headed now. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. So for other aspiring female real estate investors, syndicators, operators, business owners that's listening, right? What advice would you have for them? You need to have something next year that scares you as a goal. And I heard this the other day, a dream without a goal is just a dream, but a dream with a goal is possible. And then a goal without a plan is just on paper, but a goal with a plan makes your dreams come true. Mm -hmm. So you have to break it down. You have to figure out how you're going to get to the scary thing. Don't focus on how, why it's scary. Focus on how to break it down into edible bites. So one of the things that my husband says all the time is it's all still sticks and bricks. Just take all the zeros off. And how would you solve for it if it had less zeros? Then put all the zeros back on because it's still sticks and bricks. So something that you've done this year, I would challenge you to do something scarier that's bigger for next year. And that lofty goal, if you focus on it, just like your affirmations, it's going to happen. You probably aren't even shooting high enough over the moon for what's possible in your 2022. So I've told you my big scary goal. So it's your turn. You have to commit (laughs) and I would challenge you to pick something that scares you and has some sort of give back involved because that'll be your why. Your why behind your big lofty goals. So when you're in fear mode, go back to your why and then you won't care that it scares you. A big enough reason that you'll do it anyway, or you'll find a way or you'll break it down into those cookie size bites and you'll just do one more step in that direction. And then next thing you know, you're setting a big lofty goal for the year after that, that doesn't even compare, right? Because now you've proven to yourself that you can get out of your own way. That's really what next year is all about for you. Yeah, getting out of one's way is a challenge for most. Well, listeners, you have heard it from Jennifer Joyce. She has given you advice. She's given us advice on how to move forward, how to set that big, hairy, scary goal, and to be able to be in a position to function as the rock stars that we all know we're created to be. So Jennifer, thank you so very much. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for sharing your story and the generosity of your time and talent. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they wanted to? 
There's a contact us page on jjcapitalinvestments.com. So just reach out there and we'll set up a call and figure out how we can help you. We're here to help others. We definitely don't want to be at the top of the mountain by ourselves. We want to be at the top of the mountain with all our friends. So whoever's ready to go to the mountain, I'm looking for people to bring with me. Just let me know. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they say it's lonely at the top. So it's important for us to intentionally find like-minded people to bring with us or journey with us as we get up there. So thank you so much, Jennifer. Really, really appreciate your time and your insight. And thank you all for joining us again for another episode of the Multifamily Investor Ladies. As I stated at the opening, Jennifer is awesome. And I knew that we would not be disappointed with the time that we spend with her. Just like I was excited to spend time with her in Texas. Until next time, Jennifer, I like to give gifts to our listeners. And so what's your favorite book? My favorite book. Oh, good question. What the self-made millionaires teach their kids. What the self-made millionaires teach their kids? Yes. Okay. What the self-made millionaires teach their kids. Because I was a kid raised by a school teacher and an IT professional, and nobody ever taught me how to build wealth. So I read it for me. I read it to see what they were telling the teenagers because I needed it. And really the book is set up for you to do with your teenager and every chapter is a homework assignment for you and your teen. I needed the book for me. And so it's my number one book because every single chapter has homework and other books you can read and other ways to get started. And it's just taking all of those famous books around raising your awareness around wealth and compiling it, I think, into one book. That's a, a great stepping off point. Excellent. All right, listeners. So be the first person to contact me at our website at multifamilyinvestorladies.com and I will send you a copy of Jennifer's favorite book, What the Self-Made Millionaires Teach Their Children, which I'm sure will add much value to your life as it has for hers. Thank you again so much for joining us for another episode of the Multifamily Investor Ladies podcast. And remember, it is never too late to get started in multifamily real estate investing with the Multifamily Investor Lady. Thanks so much. See you next time. For more information about today's episode, learn more about passive multifamily real estate investing or to reach Linda directly, visit us on the web at multifamilyinvestorladies.com. Thanks a mill for joining the Multifamily Investor Ladies podcast sponsored by Freedom Capital Investments. Your host, Linda Brooks, reminds you it's never too late to get started on your multifamily real estate investment journey and she'll show you how to do it successfully as a passive investor. We'll see you next time.